Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! What's up, guys? My name is Ryan, and this is the Kingsman Report. It's the news everyone ignores. Um, I'm going to go over some articles here. So if you're tuning in, thanks for watching. Um, some of the stuff i got to cover is funny. Some of it's serious. Um, so if you're watching, sit back in your FEMA region and enjoy um, watching me butcher names and stumble over my words. So I'm going to get situated, and I'll be right back. What's up, guys? Um, so this first article, you see it on your screen there. I'm going to read a couple articles that are local here where I'm at um, in Oklahoma. And this one is out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. It says, Oklahoma food truck owner sentenced after smuggling ecstasy into U.S. from Germany. Now, this guy was not the smartest of them all. Um, I mean, you have to know this is going to happen. If you're making illegal purchases on the dark web don't have it sent to your house um, so that's what happened to this guy um, he says an Oklahoma man will spend more than five years in prison after he smuggled ecstasy into the United States from a German supplier last year almost a year ago Jeremy Singer and I'm from Tulsa and I don't know who this fellow is but he looks probably around the same age I am uh, it says Jeremy Singer was arrested for allegedly handing out free joints to the homeless and I remember this story on the news actually about this guy he says Singer owns chicken fried bus which is used to collect warm clothes and give meals to the homeless now he's facing 70 months in federal prison for drug smuggling scheme it says according to a signed plea agreement Singer said that he had placed an order for ecstasy through an encrypted site on the dark web and had it shipped to his home in Tulsa the quote-unquote dark web is a one-stop shop for goods and services not found in legitimate streams of commerce. Singer used the dark web to illegally purchase and smuggle ecstasy into the United States, said U.S. Attorney Trent Shores. 
As Mr. Singer now knows, our collaborative law enforcement network in northeastern Oklahoma is a highly effective partnership. We will enforce our nation's drug laws to protect Oklahomans from darknet purchases. Singer admitted that he planned to sell the drugs, but Customs and Border Protection officials intercepted the package before it arrived. Authorities later arrested Singer at his home when he attempted to sign for the package. While out on bond, Singer, this is the stupidest part, right? Well, I mean, this is, the first part's stupid, but this part, I mean, this part is, is even, I mean, this, this takes the cake right here. It says, while out on bond, Singer failed to show up for a federal court hearing and, and fled the state. Investigators searched for Singer for nearly a month until authorities in Wyoming attempted to pull him over. Now, this is, this is Oklahoma right here. This is pulling Oklahoma stuff in, in Wyoming where he was at. It says, Singer led them on an off-road chase before he disappeared in an, into a nearby field. He was found the next day and tried to elude authorities on a stolen bulldozer before he was finally arrested. Um, this isn't the first time that this has happened where, where people have tried to buy uh, legal narcotics, whether it be through the internet or have them shipped directly to their house. I think uh, a couple months ago, a young lady was arrested in... Um, in Tulsa for doing the same thing and uh, but she had tried to get you know I'm not gonna say the name but that high-powered um, uh, op opiate that's out on the streets and uh, she tried to get a hold of that and they found the package and it was shipped to her house and they arrested her as well so Keep that in mind. And then on top of that, we have one of the best um, highway patrol groups in the country. I mean, and our highway patrolmen are, are beast. So um, this article here says, Mishap in Oklahoma kills two Air Force pilots on training mission. So I saw this earlier. And, you know, first off, I want to say, you know, pray for the families of these two gentlemen that were involved in this accident. Um, keep them in your prayers and in your thoughts um, while they go through this. But uh, this is pretty hardcore. I saw the pictures of it. They they hadn't released too many pictures of it, but um, they had a picture of it out there. This says, Mishap in Oklahoma kills two Air Force pilots on training mission. It says, Two Air Force pilots were killed Thursday morning during an aircraft mishap at Vance Air Force Base in Oklahoma, officials said. The Air Force said the mishap occurred around 9.10 a.m. while the aircraft was performing a training mission. Vance emergency response personnel were at the scene treating casualties and assisting in recovery. Colonel Corey Simmons, commander of the 71st Flying Training Wing told reporters Thursday afternoon that two airmen aboard one of the T-38 Talons were killed and two airmen on the T-38 Talon were not hurt. There's a picture of the T-38. It says, Simmons choked back tears as, he's, as he described the base as a close-knit family. He said when tragedies like this occur, every member of the U.S. military, Vance, uh, when tragedies like this occur, every member of the U.S. military, Vance Enid, feels it. Per military protocol, the military would not release the names of the service members who died until 24 hours after the families have been notified, Simmons said. And it goes on to say, an Air, an Air Force Safety Board was investigating the incident, a process that usually takes 30 to 60 days, Simmons said. He declined to speculate on the possible cause. There's a picture of uh, Simmons right there. He says, I know that there are two airplanes that are off the runway right now, Advanced Air Force Base, Simmons said. How they got to that point, I've got to let the, investig let the investigation play itself out. The T-38 is the primary jet trainer for all Air Force pilots in the jet pipelines. Uh, training future F-16, F-15, F-22s, and F-35, and bomber pilots, for example. Says Thursday's crash was the second incident involving a T-38 training jet in Oklahoma in the past 15 months. 
Vance Air Force Base is located in Enid, Oklahoma. It's roughly 85 miles north of Oklahoma City. And all flights of the Air Force uh, at the base were shut down and planes likely will, rem will remain grounded Friday, Simmons said. So like I said, we'll keep uh, these these gentlemen or everyone involved, you know, and especially our servicemen and women. Um, you know, they these guys probably had families and, and like he mentioned in the article, you know, they're like a close-knit family there. Um, I have a bunch of friends that serve in the military or have served that are veterans in the military. So keep their keep their families in your prayers and um, you know I'm gonna continue to pray for them here. Also, um, you know, I don't know if anyone's you know religious preference out there, but I'm gonna say Shabbat Shalom to those who keep the um, Sabbath. And also I want to say if you guys want to call in, you can call the number scrolling at the bottom of your screen. It's one four zero eight six three eight zero nine six eight. And then you can enter the meeting ID number. It's five three four two three three four seven five eight. And uh, you'll just hit pound twice. It'll go straight to me and then I'll screen the calls. There's also a chat um, which will pop up in the middle of the screen. For example, uh, here I'm not going to put all those in there. It'll pop up in, in the, well, not the middle screen, it'll pop up on the screen. Like that. And uh, there's a bot in there that, that, you know, goes through everything. So if you guys talk amongst each other and be respectful if anyone joins this live, but you can chat in there or if you want to call in live, you're more than welcome to do that. So the next article I'm going to read here is pretty interesting. So if you saw the um, the um, thumbnail, then you saw you know Noah's Ark in the back, and we all, if you know, were raised in in uh, the church, you know the story of Noah's Ark. Well, this article is interesting because it says Noah's Ark buried in Turkish mountains. As experts say, 3D scans will prove biblical ships' existence. So it says the location of the real Noah's Ark may, be, may have been confirmed by relic hunters in a remote mountain range. As experts claim they snapped underground images of a mysterious ship-shaped object discovered half a century ago in eastern Turkey. Creationists have long claimed that Noah's legendary boat is buried beneath the rocky spot known as the... Uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Durup, Duripinar? Yeah, Duripinar site. It says not everyone is convinced though. The geologist claiming the mountain's lump, uh, mount, um, monta mountainous lump is simply an unusual mountain formation. Man. Now a film crew led by a longtime arc hunter, uh, Kim Sertison, Cer uh, say they imagine whatever's down there according to the Turkish uh, Adolo Agency. The team claim they'll reveal the pictures obtained by sending electric signals underground via cables in a forthcoming documentary about the Ark. These are the actual images of uh, Noah's Ark, said Sertison, who previously released a documentary about finding the Ark in 2017. They're neither fake nor simulation. They show the entire ship buried underground. According to a legend, Noah loaded two of every animal onto a 150-meter-long ark to save them from the apocalypse. Um, that's not necessarily the right story, because if you reread it um, with a different mindset, you'll see a, a, a little bit of discrep discrepancies there. But I'm not going to go into all that. That's like a whole thing. It says in the book of Genesis, the mountains of er uh, Ararat, and now what is eastern Turkey, is the region in which Noah's Ark came to rest after the Great Flood. Despite numerous expeditions to find the craft across the vast mountain range, no physical proof has emerged. A popular focus of many searches is the 
Dur Durapinar sites, a 150 meter long formation among the mountains. Some creationists claim the bizarre object is the remains of Noah's ship buried deep underground, while scientists argue it is a natural formation. Now 3D scans of the object may prove once and for all whether Durapinar is, is as holy as some believe. They were, uh, they were created by computer engineer and archaeologist Andrew Jones, as well as geophysicist John Larson, in a bid to study the strange object. Jones and Larson shared their discoveries with Sertison, uh, director of the 2017 documentary Noah's Ark. Sertison admitted that the images aren't necessarily of Noah's Ark and could be of another ship entirely. It's a ship, but it's too close. It's too early to call it Noah's Ark, he said. That seems unlike considering the spot is over 50 miles from the nearest body of water. The ship, uh, the ship-shaped site had discovered in 1959 by Captain Ihan Jirpinar, an expert cardiographer. The first scientist research of the formation was performed only 26 years later, with researchers concluding that it is highly likely that the formation underground is a ship. It is not clear when Sertison's documentary will air. And as always, you know, if you guys want to um, go check out the articles, and there's a picture of it there. I guess they're saying this, this portion here is the ship. Um, but if you guys want to go check out the articles, all the links that, of the stuff that I talk about are always posted in the description below. And you guys can go there. And check those out and read for yourself or further research it if you like. I just, I basically find articles, um, I mean, I spend a lot of time reading. I have, you know, behind the camera here, I have a, a ton of books. Um, but I mean, I read all types of stuff. And I just enjoy reading the news and keeping up with it. So I, I kind of find stuff that's interesting to me. But this article here, I think, not only is it is it kind of, I mean, it's not it's disgusting but um i mean it's not gonna like freak anybody out it's not like that disgusting hang on a second let me see how turn this up and see if it makes a difference i look jaundice in my screen yeah it's better Okay, um, yeah, so this article is titled Philippine Students Turned Littered Dog Poo into Bricks. I just found this on, like, oddly enough, on, on you know, Reuters, and I was going through, and this popped up, and I was, I was like, you gotta be kidding me, but, I mean, it is what it is. So, it says Mandela. A group of secondary school students in the Philippines have found a way to convert poo from stray dogs into a mixture for bricks, aiming to rid city secrets of excrement and potentially even lower construction cost. So you're taking petrified dog poo. This is what I thought was disgusting about it. You're taking petrified dog poo and you're basically turning it back into, you know, a wet stool and then you're molding it into bricks i mean there's got this has to I, I mean i don't really know the process of this but there's got to be some sort of disease or or something in in, in doing this i mean it's it's disgusting but i mean we'll go on and see uh, what else it says it says a part of the research project Eighth graders in the Pietas district north of capital uh, Manila gathered an air dried dog feces, which were then mixed with cement powder and molded into rectangular bio bricks. It says, Our streets will really be cleaned up, Mark. I'm not even going to try to butcher that name because I will probably do it. I mean, I can sit here and try if you guys want a good laugh, but. So the student science uh, class advisor told Reuters he hoped local government or corporations would sponsor the students' research to help upgrade production. Dog owners in the Philippines um, is unregulated and rules on taking care of pets are only loosely implemented, leading to a large number of stray dogs. 
The students say their bio bricks, in quotes, are ideal for sidewalk pavements for small structures like backyard walls. Um, each brick contains 10 grams of dog poo and 10 grams of semen powder and has a faint odor that the group says will fade with time. <laughs> oh man. There they are uh, holding the poo bricks. Um, I don't really know what to say about that. I mean, 10 grams, I mean, if you think about it, I guess 10 grams of powder isn't a whole lot, but just the whole idea of mixing it together and and basically making runny poop out of even 10 grams of poop is awkwardly disgusting. So, um, the next article that I have, this is, this is, uh, I mean, this is, it's crazy anytime anyone gets desperate enough to, you know, rob a place. Um, but, you know, this happened a day ago. It says, uh, Florida man demands bank teller give him less money during an alleged robbery. What's it's just the story is just crazy, and you know, they had to throw in this part here, which I mean, they could have just left it out, but whatever. They got to turn everything into something. Oh, he must be a criminal because he's wearing that shirt. I mean, who cares? Say he was wearing a you know, a, a red shirt, or whatever, but. A Florida man who allegedly robbed a bank while donning a make quote unquote make America great again shirt apparently received far more money than he demanded and told the teller to give him a smaller amount of cash. Sandy Hawkins, who is 73, was arrested Tuesday following the alleged robbery that unfolded at a Wells Fargo in Boca Raton about 1130 a.m. on Monday, police said. Hawkins, wearing a t-shirt that displayed his support for the president, told the teller he had a weapon and said, This is a robbery, WPLG reported. There is a picture of Mr. Sandy Robwells Fargo Hawkins, who's age 73. Um, crazy. He demanded $1,100 and the teller counted out $2,000 in $100 bills. But Hawkins, according to the probable cause affidavit attained by the news outlet, told him it was too much and again demanded $1,100. The teller then slid $1,100 through the window and Hawkins took it and left, investigators allege. Hawkins was discovered after the manager at a nearby sports bar he frequented and identified him. When Palm Beach County Sheriff's Departments went to his home on Tuesday, he reportedly confessed and told them, quote-unquote, I will make this easy. He apparently handed them a bank deposit slip that read, Give me $1,100 now, no alarms, hope to get caught. Hawkins' old landlord, Scott Vale, described the 73-year-old man to the Palm Palm Beach Post as an affable kind of person who probably reached some kind of breaking point when his wife died in 2013. That's the sad part about this. Um, Hawkins was charged with robbery and booked in the Palm County um, Beach County Jail. So yeah, that's sad about that, but you know, when I read this, uh, the guy just sounds like He's having a hard time because he lost his spouse. Um, you know, I, I, it's sad that he would do something like that, but, you know, maybe he's in a place where they can watch him, you know, and he's not suicidal, and, you know, I I hope he uh, finds solace, you know. Um, he's not going to find it in that cell, and then, you know, I don't know the charges in Florida for robbing that amount of money. Um, but I'm sure, you know, robbing any type of bank is a federal offense eventually, maybe depending upon the amount. I don't know. I'm not a bank robber, so 
I don't really know how that goes. But, um, so this one I thought uh, was, I mean, if you're, a, you know, a, a Houston Texans fan, then you guys know who J.J. Watts is. Uh, I'm going to get a drink. But um, in this article, it says uh, Houston Texans J.J. Watts revealed his phone number and asked fans to text him. So it says Houston Texans defensive end J.J. Watts out out for the season on an injured list found something to do with his free time. He gave out his phone number on the internet so his fans across the country could text him. He says in a quote, I was taking or I was talking to one of my buddies the other day, Watts said in a video on Instagram page Wednesday. We were talking about social media, how it's used, how to connect with fans, some of the negativity, things that things like that. And he said, have you seen the new thing people are doing? I said, what is it? And he said, texting directly with the fans, the three time NFL defensive player of the year has been in recovery since a season-ending torn pectoral in October. There's a picture of him there. He says, I thought it was interesting, so I figured out I'm going to try it. Watts said in a video, I've never done it before. I have no experience with it, so you're going to have to bear with me. I'm not sure if it's going to be awesome. I'm not sure if I'm going to get anybody, so I'm going to give it a shot. It's just a way for me to connect more directly with you, Watt added. And yes, he actually texted some of his fans back. He said uh, in a tweet, responded to a couple uh, couple hundred texts already, but the inbox is currently sitting at 25,000 plus. I'm going to continue to try it out to see how it goes and see if you guys like it as more direct way to interact. One thing I can say is I... Uh, truly appreciate all the kind words he later responded to a couple hundred texts already and i just read the tweet but he said uh, he even gave a show of support to students in ohio in ohio who called him a great guy and a great leader there's a screenshot of some of the text there uh, he's got the number blocked out now but it says uh what's up what um my professor said the whole class gets 100% on our final next week if you text me back. Thanks, man, for all you do. Great guy and great leader. Hoping someday you will end up in Canton. He said, Ethan, I don't know if you're pulling my leg or if the professor is pulling your leg, but you make sure you get, and then it cuts off there. But he said the student said the class would get the highest mark if his classmates got the text back. And then um, he said, this kid better get 100% on that final. I think that's pretty cool of that guy. He seems like a pretty awesome dude. Um, so <laughs> this, this article here, um, I thought was pretty funny. I also, you know, went to went to Twitter and I, I blew the picture up and uh, you can actually see you can actually see the blown up part but I mean the title of this article is hilarious um, and I didn't hear about this in, until today when I was just scanning through the news I don't know how I missed it yesterday but it is pretty funny it says photo from 1898 sparks hilarious theory that Greta Thunberg is a time traveler it says a picture from the University of Washington's archives have people joking the teen climate activist is a time traveler here to quote unquote save us. A photo taken 121 years ago has sparked a hilarious internet conspiracy theory that teen climate activist Greta Thunberg is a time traveler who landed in 2019 to save Earth. The image shows three children operating a machine in a gold mine during the the Klondike gold rush in 1898. It was shot by Eric Haig in the Yukon Territory of Northwestern Canada and is today part of the University of Washington Special Collections Archive. 
so here's the uh, small picture here and if you guys can see that on your screen I'm gonna go ahead and um, show you the blown up version here because I mean this is look at this if you watch this video later on look at this, this is crazy because that looks identical to her I mean I even looked I even looked in close at it and that uh, that looks just like her it's pretty nuts um, It said, uh, when the image circulated on Twitter, people were in awe of the striking resemblance between the girl in the image and the Swedish teen activist who has sparked a global youth-led movement to, to combat the climate crisis after staging the school strikes every Friday for more than a year. She's getting you guys to skip school, but um, um, as far as I know... And you guys can look this up, but I think I looked this up before. Where she's from, I think the kids don't have to go to school past this year. So she's getting, you know, our kids here to skip school. But she technically doesn't have to go to school if she doesn't want to. So the 16-year-old has lambasted leaders of global superpowers for an action on climate change. Sailed around the world promoting her, me her message. Um, yeah, you know, making a carbon footprint. Uh, turned down tens of thousands of dollars in prize money and addressed the United Nations. She's been labeled by Leonardo DiCaprio as a quote-unquote leader of our time and nominated for a Nobel, P or Nobel Prize. So Greta Thunberg in, is in this photo from 120 years ago, and it's my new favorite conspiracy. Greta's a time traveler from the future, and she's here to save us. One Twitter user wrote sharing the 1898 photo of a superimposed on on a picture of Thunberg. But I mean, even if you look at that picture, it it, it looks. I mean, that looks just like her. If you ask me, that's that's crazy. It says, uh, Twitter users were convinced the 1898 image explained the teenager's activism and leadership. So there's another photo over there. And, you know, I posted this in the in the description below. So if you guys want to look that up, you can check this article out and you can go look at this or even look into the conspiracy. But, you know, you can go through and look at all these pictures. It, every angle, it's not, you know, just the angle they got her at, but every picture looks like her. I don't think she's a time traveler. You know, I don't, I don't think that at all. But I mean, it's just uncanny um, how much she does look like this, this person from 1898. Oh man, it's crazy. It says to those saying, uh, "How can she be in the past if she's from the future?" Obviously, as a time traveler, she can travel to any time period. She's obviously tried to go back 120 years didn't work and now she's here obviously you can obviously tell that guy's being facetious in that tweet it says maybe she is from the future who who was sent back in time at key moments in history to stop climate change so you can go through this article and look all this up about her but i just thought it was an interesting articles from one of the little odd things from um the huff post There's the photo again, but you guys go check that out in the uh, description below. So on the uh, thumbnail, you know, you saw a thing that said uh, "Taco saved my life," and and this is um, this is what I was talking about was this news article here. Um, so this guy goes into this story, uh, and it's it's insane, and I'm glad that he's okay, but. Uh, I just thought it was funny how I, I guess he was in just, you know, such a, a panic or he thought it was just so crazy it couldn't happen. But he, uh, you know, that was his uh, quote was, a taco saved my life. So it says, Ryan Bishop, awesome name, said he avoided injury or worse because his usually open car door window was closed 
and he said in a quote, I didn't want pieces of the taco flying around. <laughs> uh, says, tacos, is there anything you can't do? Says that marvel of Mexican food has at least one true believer, Tuscan, Arizona resident Ryan Bishop. He credits a taco as being the reason he narrowly avoided being struck by a bullet. Bishop was approaching the Pima County Fairgrounds entrance in his car early Sunday afternoon when suddenly the window on his on the driver's side shattered, according to the Tuscan station KOLD-TV. I had a, a very loud explosion happen in my window, and Bishop told the station. He said the fir at first he thought a rock broke it, and he decided to pull over and inspect. Bad idea. He said, I opened the door, took a look around, and then I heard a pop, 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 he said. So I got back in my car, and I continued driving. He pulled over eventually and called the police, who soon arrived at the scene. They discovered a bullet sitting on his dashboard, and, as, um, and that's when Bishop focused on the taco he had been eating when the shots rang out. Bishop to told KOLD he normally drives with his car window down with his arm on the window ledge, the same spot where the bullet hit, hit his car. He said, unquote, I'm pretty sure eating a taco saved my life or at least stopped my arm from getting blown apart. I had the window closed because I didn't want pieces of the taco flying around. The Tuscan Police Department is investigating the shooting as a criminal damage slash malicious, mis uh, malicious mischief. HuffPost reached out to Bishop, who did not immediately respond, although the merits of tacos have been praised by poets, PBS hosts, and Yelpers trying to make it as a food blogger. The takeout noted that Taco Bell sauce also can come in handy. In March... An Oregon man and his dog survived five days stuck in the snow by living off Taco Bell sauce. And also in March, a Florida man's need for some hot sauce saved his life when a car crashed into a Taco Bell outlet right where he had been sitting. Think? If you've owned your car for a while, or maybe you got a great deal on a used vehicle that feels new to you, AAA has a vehicle protection plan that fits your needs and your budget. Let's face it, unexpected and expensive repairs can pop up. That's why AAA vehicle protection plans provide comprehensive coverage for maintenance and repair to take some of the risk out of driving a classic. Find out more about our vehicle protection plans at AAA.com slash vehicle plan. The Lord for Tacos. I don't eat a Taco Bell, though. No thank you. So, if, if any of you guys have been paying attention, um, news articles have been going around everywhere um, about um, internet access being cut off to the Iranians there so they they can't contact each other through apps that they use probably you know the WhatsApp and different messaging outlets there um, and I mean they can't contact even you know family they have over here in this country or, or you know anywhere else for that matter because the um, information ministers cut the well he he's saying that it was you know the uh, the council or whatever that shut it off but you know, at the end of the day, he's over all that stuff. So this article here says that the U.S. poses sanctions on Iran's information minister. It says uh, the, uh, the United States imposed sanction on Iran's minister on Friday for his role in wide-scale wide Internet censorship, a reference to a five-day-long nationwide shutdown meant to help stifle protests against fuel price hikes to Iran. So if you guys are paying attention, I think it was yesterday... Um, I read a little bit on this, you know, people were, um, killed in Iran during the protest that have been going on. Um, they were trying to block a bridge. They were at a petrol station and they were just kind of gathered around. Well, apparently here they just, you know, they, they shoot you, kill you, however they, they're going to kill you. I think, uh, the article I read said one person was hit in the head with a tear gas canister and killed him. Um, and the other ones, you know, they're looking into, but, um. It's just, it, it's crazy because what, you know, the Iranian president is saying 
is that it's caused because of the sanctions that our president put on Iran, and that's why they're hiking their fuel costs through the roof, and people aren't liking it, and they're actually protesting the government because they believe that the government has the power to control the fuel prices, and, and I don't even think a lot of them are blaming it on us. They're actually going after their government, so they're going straight to that source, but it's getting out of control over there. I, I hadn't, I didn't even really look today to find out if, if other, if any more people had passed away in the protest, but, um, I mean, it's getting intense. They do it different there. I'm going to get in. I have a couple more articles from protest, um, and I'll get into those here in a minute, but it says the internet block blockage, which Iran said on Thursday, it had begun to roll back made it difficult for protesters to post videos on social media to generate support and also to obtain reliable reports on the extent of the unrest. Mohammad Javad Azari Jeromi, that one wasn't that hard to pronounce. The Iranian minister has advanced Tehran's uh, policy of quote-unquote repressive internet censorship while in office, according to the U.S. Treasury Department, which described him as a former intelligence official who has been involved in surveillance against opposition activists. Iran's leaders know that the free and open internet exposes their illegitimacy, so they seek to censor the internet access to quill anti-regime protest. Treasury, Sec uh, Treasury Secretary Stephen Munchen said in a statement, We are sanctioning Iran's Minister of Information and Communications Technology for restricting internet access, including two popular messaging applications that help tens of millions of Iranians stay connected to each other um, and outside the world, he added. The sanctions blocked any um, Azari Jeromi property under U.S. jurisdiction, the Treasury Department said in a statement, saying its regulations generally bar dealings by U.S. persons or those uh, transiting the United States in such property. On Thursday, Iranian media said the country's National Security Council, which had ordered the shutdown, approved reactivating the Internet gradually in some areas. Azari Jeromi has pointed out in local media interviews that the shutdown was implemented by the council. And, you know, blame it on someone else. Everybody does that. Possibly to avoid public criticism, but has said it was important for security reasons. The youngest minister of, um, of Iranian pres President Hassan Rouhani's cabinet, Azari Jeromi, reportedly has presidential ambitions, according to Iran analysts. We will hold members of the Iran Iranian regime accountable for their violent uh, repression of the Iranian people, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo wrote in a tweet. Demonstrations have spread across Iran since last week after the government announced gasoline price hikes of at least 50% and quickly turned political with protesters demanding that top officials step down. Tehran has blamed quote-unquote thugs linked to exiles and foreign foes the United States, Israel, and Saudi Arabia for the unrest. The protests in Iran come as the, as the Iranian economy has been crippled by U.S. sanctions re, uh, reimposed since the president withdrew from Tehran's 2015 nuclear deal with major powers. So um, I'm covering this, and I, I think you know a, a couple more guys are covering this also. Um, I think it's getting crazy. I don't. I don't think it's going to be letting up anytime soon. Um, I mean, these people got a whole different way of handling their their business over there. So we shall wait and see. I mean, if it really gets crazy, which I mean, as far as this is going, I don't think that we would find out because um, you know, as the article says, the internet is being suppressed and people have no way to communicate with anyone outside of the U.S. or tweet or or you know instagram or shoot a facebook video or or any of that stuff so we'll see if it lets up but it's not looking good as far as sanctions and um uh, i'm probably gonna see those gas prices continue to skyrocket because of this craziness but uh the next article is um about protest i don't think it's anything you know violent really uh this is more peaceful but it says um Lebanese protesters pack streets to mark Independence Day. And this is out of Beirut. It said, Tens of thousands of protesters took to the streets in Lebanon on Friday to mark 
Independence Day with a fresh wave of demonstrations against a ruling elite accused of rampant corruption and steering the country into deep crisis. The unprecedented wave of, of nationwide protest erupted five weeks ago, leading to the resignation of Prime Minister Saad al-Hariri uh, on October 29th. Despite a worsening economic crisis, deeply divided politicians have yet to agree on a new government. Protesters waving Lebanese flags packed central Beirut's Martyr Square where music blasts into the night. Many protesters said they felt like they were celebrating independence for the first time. This year, Independence Day is different. Before, they married it with their system of sharing power and corruption. Today, we are demanding a clean independence and a country where we can live in dignity and pride, said a protester who gave her name as Hind. It's important to show up to today of all days and be united as a country. Everyone is realizing what true independence looks like, said Lydia, 21, who is protesting in Beirut. The military parade usually held on the seafront near Martyr Square was relocated to the Defense Ministry, where Hariri, Hariri still serving as Prime Minister in, in caretaker capacity since his resignation, attended a low-key ceremony with President Michael Aoun and Parliament Speaker Nabi Barry. Hariri, who is aligned with Western and Gulf Arab states, is at odds with uh, 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 Aoun and Barry and the powerful Shiite group Hezbollah over the makeup of the next government. Broadcaster Al-Jadid noted in a quote-unquote unusual silence between Hariri and Barry while other members of the government chatted on, on each other, or to each, each other. Lebanon is facing its worst economic crisis since the 1975 through 1990 civil war, rooted in years of state corruption and waste. The crisis has spread to the financial system, where, they, uh, where the pegged Lebanese pound has weakened. Dollars have become scarce, and banks have imposed controls to prevent capital flight. Aoun, in a televised speech marking Independence Day on Thursday, said it was quote-unquote, not the time for speeches, words, and celebrations. It is time for work, serious and diligent work, because we are in a race against time. I'm going to keep watching this one. Um, I think I shared, and I think it was in um, Lebanon that that happened, uh, but there was a story that, that came out of there where a, uh, a car was trying to go through a crowd of people and the protesters saw the child inside the car and saw that he was frightened and uh, started singing Baby Shark to him to kind of calm him down. So, I mean, you know, it seems like their aim is mainly towards their government. I don't think it's just, you know, here we have a radicalized group that if there's a protest, it doesn't matter if the, if the business that uh, supports the same system that they're trying to, um, you know, well, I guess terrorized because they're not really protesters anymore. They're terrorists. They're domestic terrorists at that. Um, you know, they'll bust the windows out of those corporations, and those corporations are the ones that end up funding the same party they're trying to defend. And you guys could probably know who I'm talking about. I'm not even going to give them, you know, a breath to say their name. But, I mean, here it's just it's ridiculous. Um, and it's a bunch of moronic kids going around doing the crap. They don't, I mean, they don't even know what they're protesting. They're just showing up to, you know, cause chaos and then destroy stuff. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, you guys want to learn how to protest, get tips from other countries. I mean, not all of them. Some of them pretty crazy, but it seems the uh, Lebanese people are kind of civilized as far as that goes. So this next article I'm going to read says Trump says he might veto legislation that aims to protect human rights in Hong Kong because bill could affect China trade talks. And I talked about this, you know, I said, um, my personal opinion was, you know, an article I read yesterday that he was going to, um, impose more sanctions on China if they didn't sign the trade deal that he, um, offered them. And then, um, this article comes out, but in the middle between all this stuff going on, 
the Asian countries sign an Asian trade deal. So they've kind of got their own thing going on over there and they've got a bunch of export deals that they're going to do to Australia and a bunch of other countries. And then, you know, um, another uh, one of the guys that I listened to and I talked about it a little bit before. I read an article on why is um, Turkey and Syria and everyone's kind of putting two and two together that they're opening up trade routes to go from Asia through the Middle East over into Russia and the UK. And uh, so that's really why they're there. And then on top of that, the Chinese president also had bailed out Erdogan after he got sanctions from our president. So there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, but you know, the stuff that's going on with Hong Kong, you know, there's a, a, a lot of human rights violations going on over there. I mean, if it was happening here, there, there would be a whole bunch of human rights violations. Um, but you know, they passed or they were, they passed, um, a legislation, I believe it was in the house that talked about, um, you know, supporting the protesters and their rights, uh, you know, as far as our country goes. And now Trump says that he might veto the legislation that aims to protect uh, those people because it could affect this trade deal. So, you know, to me, what's more important, people or money? I mean, I, you know, I understand what you say about people owe you money or people owe this country money. But I mean, if, that, if, if honestly this happens, it's going to show me personally what you take more important is the lives of, of people. And I don't care if you, you listen to this and say, well, they aren't citizens of this country. I don't care. At the end of the day, they're human beings. And I think still yet, you know, um, you should consider the life as more valuable than the, than the dollar. Uh, we'll see what happens. So I'll go ahead and read this. So there's a picture of him and old, uh, um, president there, China. So it says, our president suggested Friday that he might veto legislation designed to support pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. Despite a near unanimous support in the House and Senate to pave the way for a trade deal with China. Speaking on Fox and Friends morning program, the president said that he was balancing uh, comp competing priorities in the U.S.-China relationship. We would have to stand with Hong Kong, but I'm also standing with the President Jing Jinping, uh, Trump said. He's a friend of mine. He's an incredible guy, but I'd like to see them work it out. This guy talks weird. Okay. We have to see and work it out. But I stand with Hong Kong. I stand with freedom. I stand with all of the things that we want to do. But we are also in the process of making the largest trade deal in history. And if we could do that, that would be great. I hope that you stand with the people. And if they don't give you a trade deal, I still hope that you stand with the people. Um, I, that To me, that's more important than the money. It says the House on Wednesday passed the Hong Kong... Human Rights and Democracy Act by vote of 417 to 1. I wonder who the one jerk was that didn't vote on it. Uh, the lone holdout was Reverend <laughs> Thomas Massey, Republican from Kentucky. Oh, man. Oh, man, it was pretty jerk-offish. Uh, that came one day after the Senate approved the measure on unanimous vote. The veto-proof majorities indicate that Congress... Uh, could overrule the president if he tries to block the bill from becoming law. If he does veto the bill sacrificing American values in the process, Congress should immediately and overwhelmingly override, tweeted Scott Paul, the president of Alliance for American Manufacturing, who is often backed by Trump's trade policies. Or who is often backed Trump's trade policies. Once a bill is passed both chambers of Congress, the president has 10 days to sign it into law or veto it. If he does neither, it will become law automatically. That means Trump has until after Thanksgiving to make a decision. The legislation authorizes sanction on Chinese and Hong Kong officials involved in human rights abuses and requires the State Department to conduct an annual review of the special autonomous status in the U.S. grants Hong Kong in trade matters. The Hong Kong bill threatens to complicate trade negotiations that already are stalled on several key issues. Chinese officials have criticized the congressional action and unwanted interference in their country. 
internal affairs uh, in their country's internal affairs. Vice President Pence said this week it would be very hard to finalize a trade deal if China resorts to violence to put down the protest now in their sixth month. China regained sovereignty over Hong Kong in 1997, ending more than 150 years of British colonial rule, maintaining control over the prosperous enclave, which Beijing governs under the quote-unquote the one-country, two-system framework is a top priority for their president. So, If you guys want to check that article out, it's in the, the link is in the description below and you can go read that. Uh, so this, you know, because I kind of talk about stocks. Yesterday I talked about um, some of the cannabis stocks that were going up today. They went way down. Uh, but I talked about some of the stocks going up. Uh, this is kind of a financial thing here, but and some of you may not have interest in it, but it says um, world's largest hedge fund is reportedly betting on its uh, betting on a sell-off, but founder Ray uh, Dalio denies it. it. Says the largest hedge fund hedge fund in the. Um, the largest hedge fund in the world has reportedly staked more than $1 billion that the global equity markets will fall during the next three months. The wager placed by uh, Delisle's Bridgewater Associates would pay off uh, for the firm if either the S&P 500 or the Euro stocks 50 or both decline, people familiar with the matter told Wall Street Journal. Delio, however, took to social media later on Friday to dispute the report, saying in a Twitter that, uh, quote-unquote, it's wrong. I want to make clear that we don't have any such net bet the stock market will fail. I believe we are now living in a world in which sensationalistic headlines are what many writers want above all else, even if the fact don't square with the headlines, he added. You can believe me if you can believe... Uh, the writer so uh, there's the tweets there it says uh, Wall Street Journal spokesman Stephen Severinghaus defended the papers reporting in a statement to CNBC it said the journal's article is based on interviews with multiple sources and we stand by the conclusions we reported Severinghaus said in an email the article does not report as Mr. Delio says that Bridgewater has a net bearish position on the stock market. The article made clear that the trade could be a hedge for the firm's significant long exposure to equity markets, among other possibilities, he added. The journal said in its initial report that the best use uses put um, options assembled over months by Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley that give investors the option of selling stocks at predetermined price by a given date. The firm paid about $1.5 billion for the contracts and about 1% of Bridgewater's $150 billion in total assets under management, the report said. Though we won't comment on our specific positions, we do not want to make things, uh, we want to make two things clear. Bridgewater said in a statement to CNBC, first, the way we manage money is to have many interrelated positions, often to hedge other positions, and these change often so that it would be a mistake to look any one position at any one time to try to deduce the motivation behind that position. Second, we have no positions that are intended to either hedge or bet on or, or bet on any potential political developments in the U.S., the firm added. Though Bridgewater wouldn't confirm the motivation behind the uh, bearish bet, many investment strategists and investors alike have grown weary in recent weeks as all three U.S. equity indexes clinched new all-time highs. So here's his outlook. It says, uh, records have come despite what many have categorized as decent at best trade developments between the U.S. and China, with both nations still ha haggling over preliminary agreement. Doubts about a trade truce have kept have crept higher over the last week, especially on the heels of the U.S. Senate unanimous vote on Tuesday to support Hong Kong's anti-government protesters. 
China, in response, said the U.S. was interfering in internal affairs. The bond market, however, appears to have already priced in diminished prospects for deal as October's market uptick in yields has given way to a partial re re retractment in November. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell as much as 258 points on Wednesday after Reuters quoted sources as saying a trade deal may not be completed by the end of this year. Delio has been has less than rosy has been less than rosy in his projections for future relations between Washington and Beijing. There's a trade war and there is a technology war. There is a geopolitical war and there could be capital wars. And that's approached and how that's approached is going to determine what our futures are like, Bridgewater's billionaire founder said last week. I honestly don't know how it'll be approached. We ain't to that optimist or uh, we want to be optimistic, he added. So the last article I have here is pretty rad. Um, so if you saw in the in the um, thumbnail, I talked about a, a transforming drone. Well, this one is like a football, is what it looks like, and it shoots um, like a football out of a cannon. Uh, this article, I, I didn't see the video on here, but this article, you can go look up the video. Just I think it's called a squid drone. Um, go look it up and then watch the video. It's pretty amazing. Um, they drive 50 miles an hour down a street and shoot it out of a cannon while the truck's moving 50 miles an hour. And it just takes off and opens up, like blooms like a flower. And then they can control it from wherever whether it be on the ground and the vehicle they just shot it out of but it's really neat um all the stuff folds in it goes through the blueprints here on how everything works but it says uh watch transforming drone blasts out of a cannon ballistic drone could aid emergency response teams in space exploration so it says researchers launched a drone from pneumatic baseball pitching machine strapped to a truck traveling 50 miles per hour they hope this ballistic launch method might lead to drones that are better suited for emergency response space exploration missions. The streamlined quick unfolding investigation drone, or SQUID, uh, was developed by Caltech and NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. When folded, the quad rotor looks something like a football. Squid is loaded into what is essentially a cannon and blasted into the sky. It then deploys its rotors and is able to maintain stable control flight. According to a paper on, a, on the prototype, the design is 3D printable, launches from a 3-inch uh, diameter barrel, and has sufficient thrust to carry a significant payload. If you've flown, in, uh, if you've flown a drone, you know that takeoff is one of the most difficult phases of flight because the drone has to clear so many obstacles but um, but if you launch the drone into the air before it starts flying you can avoid many of those obstacles that could be especially useful in space for instance or when emergency teams are launching drones from a from say a ship the current design is 27 centimeters long and has 8 centimeters diameter, weighing in at 530 grams. For now, the drone is intended for research purposes, but it's only a matter of time before commercial drone launching cannons hits the market. Look at this thing. So it looks like a, like they said, it looks like a football to me, or kind of like a missile, um, or even a hollow tip bullet, uh, but the end of it's... I don't know. I think it's pretty neat, though. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The video was even cooler. You guys should definitely go check the video out. So... Uh, that's all the articles I have for tonight. I'm going to get off here and check out some of the guys that, you know, I watch. Um, but for those of you who are keeping Sabbath, Shabbat Shalom. And for all you, you know, pray for the, uh, military families, pray, pray for the military's, uh, personnel who lost friends and, and brothers in the accident in Enid, uh, pray for their families also. 
and um, you know just pray for everyone around you you know the world is getting crazy all around us and to me personally I think it's just a matter of time before it comes here whether it be through catastrophe you know economically um, whatever it may be things can change in an instant we're not always promised tomorrow and you know like I tell everybody all the time if you don't have a, a relationship with our creator then most definitely um, seek one you know I tell everybody that this life is a journey of self self um, discovery and that you know um, part of that discovery is having help and and you know whether you believe in in God or not you know uh, the spirit of God is definitely a help so I'm gonna go ahead and get off here I'll be praying for all you guys who are watching and like I said pray for the family members and the personnel who were affected by the tragedy that happened in Enid um, so until next time y'all bless you guys stay safe and shalom Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. Ah, aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking? I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. Uh, then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreement. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price 999.99. 0% APR while supplies last.